many friends out here and in the lobby, so I think uh, tech and social is is really alive. And obviously, I think I'm, we're kind of coming along in L.A., but SF definitely has something really special here. So I, I thank Brian and, and everybody at SF Music Tech for uh, letting me talk a little bit about L.A. social. A little background on me, I uh, own the Roxy Theater in Los Angeles. My dad actually opened it in uh, 73, and I took it over about 10 years ago, produced the Sunset Strip Music Festival, and just started a new company at the beginning of the year, January 1, called Adler Integrated, which is a full-service integrated marketing agency. So just a little background on myself. My presentation today is, is really the story of the Roxy, not so much over the last 25 years, but, but what's happened in the last five years and the emergence of social and how that's helped us kind of find our way. And um, there's about, when, when the Roxy opened, there was, there was maybe six or seven venues in Los Angeles. And on any given night in LA now, there's probably 37, 38 different venues having shows within a 30 mile radius. So it's, it's, uh, it's been challenging. This is the evolution of the social brand. We, uh, most of you know the strip. 25 years ago, and even 30 years ago, the doors, and you had Guns N' Roses, and you had, you know, uh, literally the, the epicenter of music was on the strip, and that's where every band got signed. That's where you went to kind of find your dream as a musician. It, we really didn't have to do any talking about ourselves. It, everybody was talking about the strip. Um, you know, 15 years maybe some uh, there starts to be other music communities that are kind of starting to dominate the scene whether that's seattle or or uh, new york or it wasn't all about the strip but we still had chili peppers rage against the machine and all these bands were, were they were, their first shows were at the roxy and the strip was the place to be five years ago we still thought all that was still going on we were kind of buried in our um in our venues, and it wasn't going on. There was other communities opening up, and literally we find ourselves thinking that we're the greatest, and we open the door, and you know, basically we're, we're, we, we had to start taking a look at ourselves. And on the strip, we thought we were so great, literally had this velvet rope mentality where, oh, we'll tell you when the bands can play. We'll tell you what fans can come and see bands. We'll tell you if you can take pictures or not, or video. We were, we just, we felt like it was our space. We owned it. We're going to tell you what you can and can't do. You know, you add that to this, this competition that started to come onto the strip with, the Key Club opening up, and then House of Blues coming on, and, and then these different venues all over the place, and we're all fighting each other for the same bands, and the agents, I hope there's no agents in the room, but, <laughs> sorry. They were getting these big smiles on their face because they could go to the Roxy, get one, one offer, then go down the street and get another offer, and, and we didn't even know, we didn't, we didn't like each other, but we also didn't know each other. So we weren't even talking to each other. So we were just, we were competing with our neighbor and having the same conversation, but there was a wall here, and they're just, basically, it was, it was about walling ourselves in. We were castles on the hill and we didn't care about our neighbor, none of that. And literally, instead of connecting and trying to be 
more powerful as, a, as one group. We were splitting up, and it was killing the strip, and literally tumbleweeds were going on the strip. And then you add in, just like we see all over the U.S., these amazing little neighborhoods that are starting to, to come out of historic districts, out of art districts, pe young people moving in because the rents are low. And who loves low rents? Musicians, bloggers, uh, uh, bands, fans, young people. So these communities were developing all over the place. And in L.A., it was Silver Lake. It was Echo Park. And it was amazing. I mean, there was community events. People were getting together on the corner. There was farmer's markets. Just just things that I, I never even thought about. That, that Because on Sunset Strip, it was all about neon and, and cars rolling down and how great we were. And people were getting real in these communities. And the band is playing at the corner place for free. And that blogger is going down to get some coffee and is like, oh my god, this band is great. They're going back, blogging about it. It makes this that happened five times, 10 times, 20 times. Before you know it, it literally looks like this band is the biggest band in the world and they're playing the, 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 the coffee shop. So, you know, you add all these things up and then on top of that, our cornerstone was Tower Records. So that was our community. You went down Tuesday, uh, Monday night, because records came out on Tuesday, you would sit in line, midnight, the records would come out, you'd go in and get it, you'd go in your car, you'd sit in the parking lot and just play that record, and it was the best thing, and you'd talk to the, to the person next to you, you'd be talking about the music, and literally that was the core of the Sunset community, and it was gone. So obviously we're, we're stuck with tumbleweeds going down the street, our whole music scene heading to another place, and Tower Records is gone, it's literally what's next for us. And so luckily I met someone named Kira Reed who, who, who also works at Adler Integrated now. And she said to me, she sat me down, she says, uh, do you know what a blog is? I said, never heard of that. She said, do you know what community is? And I said, yeah, you know, you got the police station and the swimming pool down the street and like, and she's like, no, 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 you know, the principle of community. So she's, she literally says, I'm coming back next week, we're putting up the whiteboard and we're gonna go through the Roxy, like from the inside out and really talk about what's right and what's wrong and what's perception and what's reality. Cause I think that is a big part of it. Cause you know, people say, oh, the strip has expensive parking. I can show you a sign across the street that says $5 parking. You know, people say, oh, the drinks are too much. I can show you that the drinks cost the same as the club in Silver Lake, but because we weren't telling our own story and we were letting other people do that, literally these things started to become fact and they were just piling up on us. And so once we kind of put everything out there, she said, you know, you need, who is the Roxy? And I, and I don't think we ever thought of who is the Roxy. Like, if it was a person, who is that? What's that voice? What do they sound like? How do they talk to people? And especially through social, you really got to kind of define how you talk to people. You can't be one person one day and one person the other, or that person's not going to want to be your friend. So I was really learning through this process that there was a relationship um, through your voice. Uh, and one of the main things, and especially at the Roxy, and especially on the Strip, was be transparent. Start op taking down those walls. Start being honest. Ticket prices, if there's a fee, 
put that out front. Let people know. Don't let them buy that ticket and then get to the, the part where they put their credit card in and it went from a $12 ticket to an $18 ticket. People aren't going to want to come back to that. Um, be who we are. We're the Roxy. So it, you know, we had a bunch of history. We could just be ourselves, but we were a little caught up in, oh, we're the greatest. Uh, Bob Marley played here. The Clash played here in 81, you know, and not not what was going on right now, you know, and especially on social, we were talking to kids. So when I told them about Neil Young was opening night at the Roxy, although everyone in this room think that's amazing, my little brother was like, who's Neil Young? So it, 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 it doesn't, you know, just because you have all this history, it doesn't mean that people want to hear it. They want to hear what, what you have in your heart, what you have going on right now. And what we learned really quick was that uh, you got to listen. So we got the blog up. It looks amazing. It, it didn't look amazing, but it, I thought it looked amazing. Put that first post up. Uh, we're here, internet, you're ready for us. We're the shit. And then the comments came right after that. So we, we created an open forum for people to start talking to us. And while I thought it was going to be like, oh my god, it's so great the Roxy's online, it was your parking's too much, your security are jerks, um, your bands are not that great, and just flooded it. And I was, you know, you don't know what to do in that. Oh, I got to erase these, I got to delete this post, you know, all these different things. But that was that was so opening because social is this mirror that you, and it will be very honest with you. So that's why you got to really be honest with it. And then, so you get all these, this information, your drinks are too expensive. Okay, well, let's, we've heard that from 20 people on this post. Maybe we should take a look. So respond to that. Come down, drink, you know, ticket prices, uh, too expensive or the fee, whatever. Deal with that. Um, your, your bands aren't great. All right, so we went and got Megan Jacobs from SF, who was like an artist kind of booker who like loved bands. And I think before we were just, we were all about like, what's the biggest name we can put in there, whether they were good or not. And Megan really bought some, some, some really great bands down. So we just basically chipped away and, and, and gave them what they want because that's how you're going to win. If you don't give them what they want, they're not going to come back. And at the Roxy, we want people to come back not once or twice or three times a year. I want them coming 15 times a year. So we're in a relationship. So one of the best things that we found out really early about social was the customer service. And that kind of is the beginning for, for us in a business that was trying to change perception out there. And so there's this girl or I get this text, and it was when we got maybe one at reply a week, and so it buzzes in my pocket, and I'm like, this is the most exciting moment ever. <laughs> and I look, and it says, oh, typical Roxy, um, oh, uh, watered-down, overpriced gin and tonic. I was just like, oh, this is the worst. So I look at this teeny icon that must literally be the size of this, and I search 500 people in the venue to try to find this person. And I'm looking around, looking around. I go into the lobby and I see this girl head down in the Blackberry, empty cup with a lime on it. I was like, all right, I see you. So <laughs> I go to the bar and I get some nice tangeray, make it extra strong. I go over, tap her on the shoulder. I'm like, did you just tweet? And she like is horrified. <laughs> And we have this like three seconds of not saying anything to each other. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, 
I'm sorry you didn't like it. Here's your drink. You know, have a good time at the Roxy. That moment, that's a money moment right there because she turns around and she tweets out, man, the Roxy made it right, you know. And, and we all have those moments in our business, whether you're a band or a company, those are the moments that are going to grow your company and people, and they happen every day. So you don't have to respond to every single time it happens, but you got to find the one and, and turn that moment into a positive moment. And, you know, these little things were the beginning of starting um, community for us. And so... One of the places that we had to start with was our actual physical community, meaning the actual, the Viper Room or the Comedy Store or the Key Club and actually go out and shake their hands and say, hey, I'm your neighbor. You know, maybe we can do some stuff together. So we're on Twitter. We're at about 10,000 followers and we see the Viper Room come on. Viper Room is our competition. They're down the street. We've battled for years over the same acts and overpaid because they overpaid and then we overpaid. So we had this conversation in the office. Do we retweet our competition? And at the end of the conversation, 90% of the people in the room said, definitely not. And for some reason, I said, you know what? I think we have a moment here where we can take advantage of this and in a positive way, in a selfless way, in a selfish way. Let's be that person that reaches out. Let's be that kind of, you know, we're going to look like a good person to their fans and to our fans. And then, they, yeah, they're going to get some fans. And then we're going to start this process, hopefully, where we start supporting each other. So about four days later, Viper Room comes back. So we, we have a relationship. We're in a relationship. Um, the Comedy Store, which I had never even been to in the, at that point, the 30-something years I'd been on the Strip, comes on Twitter. Same thing kind of happens. Throw a little shout-out to them. Four weeks later... We're all in love. So it just slowly kind of went into this thing where we got a hotel, we got a bookstore, we have venues, things that don't even make sense having relationship. We were starting an online community. Uh, and then we learned quickly that it was about trying to do things with them, whether it was... Um, you know, hey, we're closed tonight, go to the Viper Room, make sure you check out their show, or our show's sold out, you know, head down. We weren't being like, hey, we have, don't have enough tickets sold tonight, but you should go to the Viper Room. Like, it wasn't kind of that, we're not hurting ourselves, but when it was, when it was right, we were sharing and we were starting to do things together. Um, one of the things that we did was we did a tweet crawl. So the idea was to start at one business on one side of Sunset, and we got about 10 to 15 businesses on. We said we need to have amazing specials. If your drink's $7, they need to be $2 this night. And what we did was we started on one end, and everybody got on Twitter, and it was led on Twitter, and we would go to the next business, and they would get 30, 40 followers. And then there was this conversation back and forth, and we get to the next business. And before you know it, these 40 people had tweeted you know, 20, 30 times, and we literally, it looked like, the Sunset Strip was the place to be. And it was just from a small group of people going up to all these businesses. And it, it literally helped kickstart a lot of these businesses, Twitter and online, um, because they saw that people, because sometimes people don't know. When you go to a business and they don't understand it, they're just like, oh, I, I, why would I ever do this? But because we added this offline component to it, it really made sense. And it, it started to connect the dots. So the next thing, you know, after we're, 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 we're online and we're talking to our neighbors. Let's start building some 
online community. And the key to online community is go where they are. Yeah, Facebook and Twitter, we all, we're going to say it a million times today, but there's a lot of other places to go. So, you know, whether that's Foursquare or uh, Tumblr, um, Instagram, Spotify, people are everywhere and not everybody wants to use Twitter, not everybody wants to use Facebook and, and sometimes those places aren't set for them to discover but start using what they like. Spotify, we'll reach out and we'll say, hey, we're doing a list of the top 100 bands, collaborative playlist, everybody jump in. When we get to 1,000, we're gonna cut it down to 100 and we'll just keep doing this over and over and start creating this running uh, list of the best LA bands. So get getting your community involved. One thing it is to like kind of reach them, but once you start getting them engaged and activated, uh, it's it's amazing. Um, Pinterest, I'm a huge Pinterest fan, and everybody in this room should be a Pinterest fan because it's going to be all you hear about for the next three weeks. Um, but it's like, how does the Roxy, why does Pinterest make sense to the Roxy? Well, I can send out a tweet, hey, everybody send me your favorite tattoo, uh, tattoo um, web pages or links. And then at the end of the day, we turn around, we put all those into Pinterest, we turn around and we send them back out. And what a nice visual place to go to for our community to take a look at everybody's ideas in one place. And again, it creates that community. And it doesn't have to be weddings and cupcakes and little dogs that are amazingly cute. It can be uh, show essentials, got tickets, shows at the Roxy, backstage, favorite teas, all these different things. So even though some platforms look like they might not make sense, find a way to make them work for your business. Um, clout. Some people like clout, some people hate clout. Um, I think it's a great way for the Roxy to find out who's important to the Roxy, who's part of our community, who's the influencer that we can go out to and say, hey, we're going to give you tickets for the next month. Thanks so much for being so supportive of the Roxy. Well, what that's the same as me going and buying an ad in LA Weekly or going and buying an ad in uh, Facebook because... They're, they're more important, and coming from them, it's more important than someone seeing an ad, and it means more. Um, email's been huge for the Roxy. We partnered with Topspin, and uh, I know Ian's moderating a panel later today, so he's, he's, he's definitely someone um, that I look up to very much and, and a very smart guy. And So our, our email platform is through Topspin, and uh, it's been very successful for us. And there's very little sell in the email. It's literally the whole first part of the email is here's what's happening with our neighbors, here's artists that we like, um, you know the Roxy's tech so we got some beta invites for the per first people that tweet out uh, and then at the bottom we're like oh and by the way here's some shows, um, check them out. So there is this thing where if we don't put the email out until four o'clock in the afternoon, we start getting emails saying, where's the newsletter? So it's, it's a piece of content, but really at the end of the day, after everything, we're promoting our shows. Um, mobile, we uh, partnered with uh, uh, Mobile Roadie um, to do our mobile app. And I can just say, we have not mastered mobile, and it is something that's really important for us, but uh, it's, it's not a place that we get a lot of interaction. So. We need some work on that. If anybody wants to give me some tips later on, on how to interact with people on mobile a little bit, I will definitely take those. Um, Groupon. We were the first venue to do Groupon. And uh, you know, a lot of people think of Groupon 
as something you do with distressed tickets or um, stock where it, the show's not selling. Oh my God, can someone get a hold of Groupon? Can we put a bunch of tickets up there and help this show out? Uh, we actually noticed these type of things are better to actually do on the on sale. So when you're going on sale with a show, put more emphasis on that because that tail will go like this. Instead of having this and then everybody trying to rush at the end to try to do promotion and shove stuff down people's throats and have this little bump at the end, take that excitement at the end and let it go like that and start changing the curve of the excitement for your show. And I think a lot of us, we just wait until the end and we're like, oh, the show's not selling. We have to do something, start selling tickets at a reduced rate. Put a little bit out there, let people talk about it, it will bring more business in. Um, so, sorry, start the conversation. That was something that uh, once, once you start to realize that people are out there, talk about first what they know about. What is the Roxy? We are a music venue. We should talk about music because we already know our fans are into that, so there's gonna be that interaction. So obviously, very easy question. Every morning we put it out, music. And then once they start getting used to that, let's go with some user-generated content. What's the craziest haircut you had? So we did a contest, there was about 30 different pictures. We picked my friend Ronnie because it's one of the worst haircuts we had ever seen. And then that becomes content, so we put that up, and then that drives more conversation. And then once you kind of have them in this relationship, you can do something where you can just put up a picture of Kurt Cobain, and 543 people like it. So it goes from me trying to ask them questions to now we can just put up a piece of content. They know they're used to this, so they then start to interact. Um, we have this, we, we're basically at, 40, 50,000 people on Twitter and on Facebook, and we start to see the plateau. And I think that's partly because the active social kind of network in Los Angeles is probably between 30 and 50,000, that people that interact on social, that love music uh, every single day. Um, so we kind of hit this place. So what are we gonna do? Are we, we, we said, you know what, let's go national. We did that for a while, got the numbers up to 100, whatever. And then we said, let's go international. This is an international brand. People know the Sunset Strip. They want to be a part of it. So we come up with this simple ad, this and metal. And the, it just goes crazy viral. And for us, the more conversation on the page, the better. It's not all about those 500 people that have to come into the club. It's about the whole world talking about it all the time. And you can see the, the, the minute we put this ad up, I mean, literally, I couldn't stop it. And there was likes flowing into the page at, I think the rate here is at, it says 0 0.06. It actually ended up being under 0 0.01. And it, it was almost like a flood. I had to turn it off because uh, the actual page would end up being in like 100 different languages. Um, and then tweet adder, there's amazing tools out there. People don't like targeted auto-following or auto-following in general. You know, for the for the Roxy, this is an ad platform for us. If there's a band coming into town and it's the Foo Fighters, you know what? We're going to go out two weeks ahead of time and we're going to put an autofollow for anyone that says the Foo Fighters in Los Angeles. And what's going to happen? They're going to get this and they'll be like, whoa, I'm going to that show. How do they know? Why, how's the, the Roxy's following me? This is the coolest thing ever. And we see it day after day. Oh my God, the Roxy's following me. Where, you know, some people 
you get that follow and you're like, why is the Roxy following me? So you got to do it with some context. But if you do, you're, you're going to get re rewards. So all of this is building social equity. And that puts us in a place where we now have 420,000 Facebook fans, over 100,000 Twitter, 20,000 Instagram, big newsletter, bunch of check-ins, very active crowd, um, you know, content, content, content. We have a ton of it. You know, when, when we were starting out, someone told me that you're a content house. Every day there's pictures, community, conversation, MP3s, video. We're the same thing as some studio down the street, but we have different content coming in every night and we have bands coming in. And what do bands have? They have followers. And not only the band has followers, but the bass player has followers and the drummer has followers. And so when they come in, we've created this big net and they play and they leave. And who stays? The followers stay at the Roxy. And, they, and that happens day after day after day. And that's why we end up with these big numbers. Um, and what that's done to Facebook is really put us in a position where when we put a post out, it stays there all day long because there is so much action on that post, whether it's you know, 300 comments or um, you know, two, 300 likes. It gets pushed up and that's how the Facebook algorithm works. And so why do we have all those people in Mexico or uh, you know, in Australia or New Zealand? It's because the conversation keeps going all day long and people go on their Facebook page and they're like, every time I go on, the Roxy's the first thing they see. Some unexpected things happen from all this social equity that we had. And obviously we had the global growth, which we talked about. But what we learned was with Facebook is we started doing targeting, targeted posts. So we do posts that pretty much no one in this room will ever see because they're in Spanish and they only go to Spanish pages. And so we're starting now to, not only did we bring them and we were talking English to this international audience, but we're trying to speak to them in their native language because it makes them feel so good. It makes them feel like we're not just something that they have no connection to, but we're, we're literally speaking to them. And you know, you can see the interaction, um, 55, you know, we've got those numbers up to 100, 200 um, likes and comments. Uh, and, and honestly, I can't understand most of it, and I have to call my friend to help me understand it. But uh, this has been really important to our growth is this connection um, in different languages. Uh, obviously, when you start to do well, you start to get some press and acknowledgments, and, and we've been featured in TechCrunch and Mashable, New York Times. Uh, there's a book out, The Power of Real-Time Social Media, uh, that did a case study on the Roxy. But it ended up making us an influencer, not only in the music business and the ticketing business, but somewhat in the, I mean, I am standing here, somewhat in the tech business, um, which... As, as a leader, you get to get to things first. You get to be on features list. So it kind of just creates this momentum that just keeps going and keep going. Um, and then this is actually coming out today, and we're on the cover of Venues Today as the number one venue in all of social media. Uh, and that's over Madison Square Garden, Red Rocks, and, and, and many other venues. Uh, well, 99 other venues. Um, so this just, this is, we can now go to that agent instead of saying, well, I'm going to pay more than the Viper Room. I'm going to say, I have so much to offer your band. I have 
thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that we can get this information out to. We can do email blasts. We can do anything you want, and that's what I have, and that's more valuable than your band getting 500 or 750. I can promise you for that extra 250, I can offer you something much different. Uh, another unexpected thing that came out of this was Roxy Social, which is our now kind of our online and offline partnership with different companies um, because they want to be a part of the Roxy. They want to be tapped into this pipe of amazing music fans all over the world. So we partnered with Red Bull. They own um, China Shop Mag. They came in and said, we want to redo your dressing room. And we said, oh, well, we don't have any money. And they said, no, we just want to redo your dressing room. So if I, our dressing room looked nothing like this, I promise you. But, and it's not over-advertising. It's not in your face. Yeah, there's a Red Bull fridge in the corner, like there is in 99% of every single dressing room. But they, they redid the floor. They did this beautiful thing. They brought the couch in. They, and then with the couch, we said, hey, let's make some content out of this. How about every single band that comes in signs the couch? And that happened. And now we're just about to auction off the, the couch through a China shop for some money for, for some different charities and foundations. I don't know how much the couch is going to go to because I can tell you that bands don't always just sign the couch. <laughs> it's, it's scary. I would never let my mom sit on that couch. <laughs> DeviantArt is, uh, we all know DeviantArt, and they've been a great partner, and they supply 90% of the art that we put in our newsletters and online. We think they have a great community, and it's, it's really a great partnership, and, and I think it's, it's definitely great for both of us. Um, we've got some uh, posters, and uh, we, we, we outsource our posters now, because people don't think a flyer, that's an advertisement. That's like, hey, come to the show. Well, what if you make that come to the show a piece of art that someone wants to keep and then that goes online and then they want to share it and people don't even know why they're sharing it. They're just like, I love this piece of art. So our relationship with Deviant and, and also our local artists that we've, we literally go out every day. Um, there's a great blog called Melrose and Fairfax that kind of chronicles the LA street art street culture um, and they've been a great partner as well. Um, Doug Fur up in Portland. Uh, we've started a partnership. Why are we doing something with a club that's not near us? Because content. You know what? Hey, Doug Fur, send us your top 10 bands in Portland this week. We'll send you our top 10 bands in LA. Let's do this on an ongoing basis and have a relationship. It, it's good for, for both of us. It helps us both. It makes it the community even wider. Um, we also write for um, What's Trending, uh, and we've actually now start to create our own content. Yes, this is content, but in the back of my mind, this is an ad. It talks about the Roxy. It shows us as a leader in the space. Fits in the Tantrums, my favorite band. Everyone should download that and go get that after this. Um, but we, we've put ourselves in a position to now we're actually putting out news and content. Um, this is one of the flyers that I was telling you about. This is from our transplant show that um, just happened. Uh, this is Danny Excess. He's a local artist in L.A. And the band loved it so much that they actually asked us to print them up and partner with them on selling them online and offline. Um, so we just start to just build that community, build that community. So 25 years ago, you know where we were. We were the shit. We, everybody wanted to be at, on the Sunset Strip. That's where you partied. It was Venice Beach and the Sunset Strip. 
15 years ago, still pretty cool. Five years ago, not cool at all. And then we have today where we're all one. All the clubs talk to each other. We do the Sunset Strip Music Festival, which brings in every single club. We sit in a room and we talk to each other. If someone's going out for an offer, we pick up the phone and call our neighbor and we say, you know what, you take it this time, I take it this time. And now we're literally, that's what Sunset Strip looks like every year in August when we do the Sunset Strip Music Festival. And it's a real community and uh, we're really proud of what we've done. And um, thanks for letting me share that story with you. I'm supposed to ask if there are questions. You're choosing content to, to put up. Um, how often do you do uh, music and video files? And do you get a good response from that as far as you know, comments? For us, photos work the best. You know, video's good, but most people that we're talking to are on their phone. And for them to sit there and try to let a video post on their phone takes a little bit. So we've actually, um, if we're gonna post video, we'll post it after eight o'clock because we kind of feel like people have switched from their phone to their computer. So during the day, it's pretty much all um, photos, flyers, those type of things. And um, you know, we, we probably have eight or nine different networks that we're posting on, so we probably do one post on the blog uh, every two days. And then Twitter, we do about 12 posts. And uh, Facebook, we do about two to three posts a day. And probably 80% of them are, uh, are non-show related. They have to do with new bands that we like, um, tech companies that we like, uh, artists that we like. So I'm a huge electronic music fan. Mm -hmm. and like subgenre and I like to pay attention to up and coming things and I think it would be really cool if the Roxy and other venues would find out who the tastemakers are for each of the genres internationally but also locally and just constantly ask them who do you think we should be pulling in and a lot of the stuff I find is very up and coming but will break like a year later or mm -hmm. so and I guess that's just a suggestion an ego stroke for us broadcasters and mavens would be, you know, if we could somehow influence what is coming, even if it's like a particular night or it happens once a month or something well, like that. We do, we do have, we do do something where we'll we'll book a band and we'll go out to the community and say, who would you like to see open for this band? Um, and that's been successful for us because they really get kind of once that band gets booked, they really get behind it. Uh, we did have a, we do have a partnership, ongoing partnership with Scion. Um, that we all know them as the car company, but they have a great music program, they have a great metal program, and they have a great dubstep program. So they did their dubstep program um, about two and a half years ago, and every single dubstep performer came through the Roxy. So Scream, Skrillex, um, I don't know them all, but they all came through the Roxy and basically ruined the Roxy because they brought these huge subwoofers in. And <laughs> when your building's from 1918, it, 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 it's actually completely shifted to the left a little bit. But um, uh, And then as far as broadcasters, uh, we have great radio in LA and 98.7 uh, is 
one of the do, is doing it the best in terms of social and interacting and we partner with them on local music shows we also partner with k-rock on a locals only show that we do once a month so you know again it it's not all about just being online there there is a huge offline and traditional space that we can never forget about and radio has been a huge part of that in la uh people still listen to the radio and um that that's really helped the Roxy and exposed. And for us too, because once we get a band that we feel um, should be exposed, we're able to go to the radio station and say, hey, can you start playing these guys? Can you bring them in for an interview on the uh, local show? And then they get a little bigger and they come back. So really it's all this big circle that we're working in. And if we can power that circle at any point, it always seems to come back to us. Hi, um, I was wondering if you can go more into depth about more of a time frame. Like, did you jump on Facebook and Twitter, then yeah. explore the other social networks? Mm -hmm. And was it like a year before you started seeing the really good numbers that you're you're talking about? Or mm -hmm. what's more of the nitty gritty behind those numbers yeah. and how uh, you pursued it? And so we, my, actually, my wife, who was my girlfriend at the time, was like, you're not on MySpace and I said, I don't, I don't, and I'm, I wasn't personally, I, and also kind of a total side result from, I wasn't social at all. I went to work and obviously I was social in my regular life, but I wasn't on any networks. I didn't tweet. I didn't, wasn't on MySpace. Um, so the Roxy kind of obviously followed me a little bit. And so she's like, let me build a MySpace page. And I said, okay, whatever. So she took three days, figured it all out, built this nice page out. And I was like, whoa, two people like us. That's cool. And then, uh, like, uh, <laughs> and then, like, you know, a month later, it's like, whoa, 400 people like us. This is the coolest thing I ever, and I was hooked. I was just, like, sat on there, just refreshed, one more person like us. <laughs> and uh, so after that, then I met Kira, and she kind of opened up. And so we started blogging, and that kind of helped us understand that voice. Because I think if we would have jumped on Facebook or Twitter without knowing our voice, it, it, it wouldn't have happened like, like it did. Um, but we started on, um, on, on Twitter first, and we got in very early. Um, I think it was 06 or something, and, 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 and that, that just slowly grew. Uh, and then I think we were about 20,000, and Facebook came, and we jumped on Facebook. Um, and then just the email came after that. And, you know, there was a process. We had to understand what to talk about and what not to talk about. So uh, luckily, we did do things gradually. And then once we get up to, say, 250,000, someone like Instagram comes along, and we've got 300,000 people on two networks, and we're saying, hey, we're on this new thing called Instagram. And then we're able now to shift huge like a lot of people onto these new networks, whether that's you know Instagram or Pinterest or or sound tracking or whatever it might be, um, because I think a lot of our, our 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 users or our community have kind of this tech background and they love tech and they love music. So we've kind of found ourselves as like this beta tester. I, I always call the people in the office kings kings of beta because we're the Roxy now like a ticketing platform will come to us and be like, can you try it out? Um, or whatever it might be. And it's I think it's because we've set ourselves up as we're not just a music venue, we're 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 an online brand. Has this experience like uh, changed how you book uh, book up, up up incoming bands, for example? One hundred percent. So more about it? so uh, Megan will 
get a call from an agent or find a band and then literally shout down the hall the band's name and then we have four people in the office that have different ways of searching and have different sites that they like and we'll literally in three minutes hit her back with a yes or no you know and if it's it's because if the band's not social it's probably not a great play for the Roxy because we're not going to buy an ad in the LA Times. We're not going to buy you a full page ad in the LA Weekly. Um, if people aren't talking about you, you know, we're, we, we, we probably don't know what to do with you. And what we've noticed is we have all this going on, and there's a lot in this, but this only accounts for 20% of ticket sales. 80% of tickets are sold when the band tweets or Facebook or puts the thing on their schedule. So we're just trying to take that 20% and make it 30% or make sure that our 20% is performing at 100%. Um, so, you know, it's definitely affecting. One thing, and this is just a tip, some of you guys might know and some of you might not, but we actually go into the Facebook ad platform and use it um, like the reverse way, where we'll put the band in and the demographic that we want to show up at the Roxy, and it'll tell us how many people in Los Angeles like that band that are between 25 and 35 who like Budweiser and you know whatever it might be. And it's it's actually a great booking tool um, to to use, and I'm I'm sure Facebook doesn't know that I'm using it that way, but everyone can do that. Easy question: How cool is Van Halen? Well. Walking into work at 9 o'clock in the morning, and David Lee Roth is like, Janie's crying. What up, Nick? That's about the coolest thing ever. Uh, <laughs> we just had Van Halen rehearse for uh, two and a half months at the Roxy, um, three days a week uh, between 9 and noon. And we, were, we had to sign things. We had to first babies, all of it, that uh, we wouldn't tell anyone that... Um, they were rehearsing at the Roxy, and people would come to the window, and they're like, that sounds like Van Halen. We're like, no, that's the best cover band. You got to come see them. <laughs> they're going to be playing here one day. Um, but what, what ended up, the good side of it was, is after it, we, were, we took pictures of the cupcakes they gave the girls in the office and the flowers, and, and the, they got the whole staff on stage and took a picture with them. And so we did a blog post, and actually that blog post was so organic that it went all over the web, and... Um, Rolling Stone picked up on the story and a couple other people that uh, this little club, you know, kept their mouths shut while uh, one of the, the, the world's greatest bands played on stage every day. So that was a really special moment. All right. That looks good. Thank you guys very much.